Hi there. Welcome to Joe's Table Alaska, where I explore the food industry in the interior region of the state of Alaska. Interior Alaska invites all types of agricultural interests, from farming, foraging, to ranching, and encourages entrepreneurs who are engaged in sustainable growing of all produce all year long, despite the many challenges of the cold weather in our state. Food security, sustainable farming, agriculture, and growing our own food. These are important issues for us in the interior of Alaska. This is where we live. This is where we raise families and work towards self-sufficiencies. In this podcast, I speak with farmers, foragers, ranchers, butchers, and also with people who are dedicated and helping year-round with the food security for those in our community who have the need. I speak with people engaged in growing vegetables, in growing flowers, beekeeping, mushroom foraging, and many, many other endeavors. These are people who embrace agriculture to produce the most essential ingredient for us and for our livelihood, food. I bring their challenges, their journey, and their stories to you. I'm Joe, and this is Joe Stable Alaska. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Denali State Bank. As a local community bank based in Fairbanks, Alaska, Denali State Bank believes in the importance of food security, self-sufficiency, and supports the homegrown agricultural-related activities that make food available, accessible, and most importantly, improves the quality of life for all Alaskans. Discover more at Denali State Bank. I'm so delighted this morning. I am with Wendy Anderson. Wendy and I have known each other just because we both have lived in Fairbanks, Alaska for so long. Uh, we know each other's kids uh, through school connections, through church, and through different community connections. And it's a, a joy to me to have her be my guest today. She is the expert in community gardens and community gardening, and that's what brought me to invite her so we can discuss uh, what goes on in community gardening in Fairbanks, Alaska. She agreed. I'm, I'm very happy that, that you're here today, and welcome, Wendy. Well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I, I love to talk about gardening, and I love to talk about the Fairbanks Community Garden. So this will be fun. Yeah, and, and I hope that not only our listeners, but myself as well, 
uh, will learn a lot from our conversation today because I tell everyone that I'm a frustrated gardener. I didn't garden till I retired. And then when I started gardening, it was um, trial and error. And, and maybe that's what gardening is, but we'll learn more. And uh, so welcome. So, so tell me a little bit about yourself. Have you always lived in, in Alaska? I moved to Alaska right out of college. I hitchhiked to Fairbanks. And I started gardening as soon as I got here. I hadn't gardened much as a child. So I really enjoyed it right off the bat. So um, when um, my husband and I moved to a home in Fairbanks in a neighborhood, we bought a home that was surrounded by trees. And I love wildlife. I love watching birds. So we didn't want to cut down the trees by our home to um, make space for a garden. And we were wandering through the neighborhood that first summer that we lived there and discovered this big open space full of gardens. And I walked up to somebody who was gardening in there and asked her, what, what is this place? And she said, it's a community garden. And that's how I discovered the Fairbanks Community Garden. And, and how long ago was that? Um, that was 1991. Yeah. And the garden at that time, it's, it's located right on the banks of the Chena River in Hamilton Acres. It was kind of a mess. It had trees growing in a lot of the plots. The greenhouse that had been built had collapsed. The fence was in disrepair. But there was some really amazing gardening going on there. So it was, it was a fun community right from the start. That's good. Did you then pick up a plot for yourself? Yes, it was very easy. It was not very organized. So I just you know, I said, I want a plot here. And I called the person, Lee Wood is the gardener that I first talked to. And she said, well, just call Dick Ferris. And so I I did. And um, he said, well, just pick out a plot that doesn't look like it's been being used. And so I did. And um, gardened there for, I think, one or two years. And then I, I kind of had my eye set on a plot that was in the middle of the garden, thought out earlier in the spring. And I've been gardening there I think since 1994. Now, this land belonged to whom? The The land is part of Hamilton Park that's owned by the Fairbanks North Star Borough. I see. Yeah, and we lease it from the borough. Okay. Yeah. So everybody that chooses a, a plot uh, pays, I'm assuming, a plot fee. Right. And our fees are very, very reasonable because we run it totally with volunteer help. Okay. Um, well, except for the people that mow the pathways, you know. <laughs> um, but sometimes they even do that for free. Yeah, so the plot fees are $50 a year and a $50 deposit that's refundable if you do some volunteer work for the garden. Okay. And um, that's what we use to run the garden. So, um, and we've kept those fees really reasonable for a long time. The cost of or, or the expenses here would be fertilizer, compost. I mean, what what do you use that money for? Oh, the money pays for electricity because okay. we have to have electricity to run the the um, well, the okay. pump. Okay. Um, and mowing the common areas. The biggest expense um, is insurance that the borough requires that we keep 
And um, then there's locks for the gates and, you know, somebody burns down the porta potty. We have to buy a new porta potty, those kind of things. Yeah, yeah. Fence repairs. Yeah, we, we built moose-proof fence in 2001, um, saved our pennies for years so that we had the cash to do it. And I researched how to build a fence really cheaply. And I um, ended up going out and talking to Claire Lammers that owned the apple orchard out off of Esro Road. And he told me, you know, what I needed to do to to build a moose-proof fence. And um, and we got community service workers, and one of our gardeners was qualified to supervise the community service workers. And so we built a fence around the whole garden for like $4,000 or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's been really nice. And only one year has a moose gotten in the fence when the fence was upright. The biggest problem with the fence is that the beavers cut down trees outside the fence and they fall and knock down the fence. But other than that, it's been a great place, moose-free place (laughs) to garden. Yeah. Yeah. How many uh, plots do you think the community garden has? We have about 90 plots. Wow. Yeah. Now, some gardeners have more than one plot. And so right now we have, I think, between 60 and 65 contracts. So with people to garden, because some of them have more than one plot. But when we have a gardener sign a contract, they often have many family members that also garden with them. So one garden plot might have up to five gardeners helping with that garden plot, Mm -hmm. either, you know, it's a family or um, aunts and uncles, or I figure we have, we haven't ever tried to keep a specific count, but probably someplace between 150 and 200 people garden there during a summer. Mm -hmm. And are these repeat gardeners? Yes. When you garden, uh, when you sign a contract for a garden, you get to keep that plot year to year as long as you actually work the garden. And we have um, in our handbook guidelines is what that looks like when you're actually gardening. And so then you get to keep it year to year. So people can plant, you know, perennials and things like uh, honeyberry bushes or rhubarb or, you know, perennial flowers, whatever they want. They can't plant trees, but other than that, yeah, or put up a small greenhouse, that kind of thing. So I'm assuming there are people who don't have access in where they live to garden. It really varies a lot. Some of it is that we have a lot of immigrants that garden there. So the kinds of food and the methods of gardening are really fun hmm. to to watch. But we have some people that have a very fancy house and don't want a vegetable garden as part of their landscape. And so their vegetable garden or their flower cutting garden is at the community garden. And then we have some people that um, have property, but it's maybe on permafrost. Yeah, yeah. Or they don't have water. They have to haul water. Or they just are like me, and they like to have the birds and the trees and stuff around their house. And this is a place that's sunny, you know, many, many hours a day. So do you think it's for personal consumption? Let's say they're growing vegetables. 
Uh, is it for their own use or do people end up sharing it? Oh, it again, it really varies. And we decided a long time ago to not like mandate what what you sure. do with the produce or the flowers that you grow in your garden. And so sometimes we have groups that will garden a plot and they donate everything. Sometimes we have families that consume everything. Yeah. And we have one gardener that grows perennials and sells them. So it really varies a lot. There is a lot of food that gets donated to um, the soup kitchen or the food bank or wherever, you know, and then lots gets shared with family members. Good, good. Yeah. I was, as you were talking, I was thinking of uh, this lady that I used to go to and she used to cut my hair. And uh, her mother gardened uh, in in right behind the the salon, oh. and um, her perpetual complaint was that people would steal stuff from her garden. Right. Uh, they see uh, a cabbage and they take it. You know, yes. they see you know cucumbers or tomatoes, they take it. Sounds like there is respect here from other gardeners that are in this community garden, so there people aren't stealing each other's things. That's. Yeah, that that's fairly accurate. We do have um, some problem with people stealing. Generally, what we found out when we put up some security cameras is it was people from outside the garden that yeah. were yeah. breaking into the garden. The garden is locked and fenced, um, but people do sure. cut the fence or... Just last year, they dismantled a gate and took some vegetables and, and our security camera. <laughs> <laughs> so it is, it is a problem, and it's very discouraging, especially to first-time gardeners or people that are growing yeah. beautiful specimens or, or depending on it. But it doesn't happen a lot. And one thing that we've been doing for many, many years is we, and it's allowed in our leases, we have a garden host. Some years we've had family living in a tiny house at the community garden. Some years it's a traveling nurse that lives there in a trailer or or RV. But for the last few years we have worked with an organization or a business called Harvest Hosts. Mm -hmm. And um, it's kind of like VRBO or Airbnb where people pay a fee and then they can use the different um, sites that Harvest Hosts has an agreement with. So we have people from all over the world that will spend a night at the Fairbanks Community Garden. That's nice. Yeah, it's it's been wonderful. And they make donations to the garden or they'll, like, turn our compost for a few hours. <laughs> or Yeah, it's it's been really wonderful, and they've been great hosts. And I tell them there are zucchini police, <laughs> and um, they, uh, their job is to um, make sure the gates are all locked before yeah, they go yeah. to bed at night. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a great idea. Yeah, to have it works there. great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, Wendy, what role do you play in in the community gardens? You are you considered as an administrator? Or a manager, or how do you define your role? Oh, I don't know. (laughs) I'll I'll call myself a coordinator. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of like herding cats. So I have a small nonprofit and a board, um, a small board, and we hold the lease to the community garden. And I have so many wonderful volunteers 
that my job is pretty much to make sure that all the jobs get done. I do end up repairing locks or mediating problems if there's problems and people don't agree on where their boundary is or um, answering lots of questions. But um, I'm the president of the board of Fairbanks Community Garden. And are you the keeper of records? Like who who paid or whose plot is this? No, I have a wonderful board member that does that. All right. Um, She's our membership coordinator. Yeah. So our board is very active. And um, and then we have many volunteers at the garden that have been there for years that we can count on to always take out the garbage or clean the porta potties or repair the fence. I have one woman that her job for years has been to repair the fence if people cut it or it falls down because of snow load or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just been wonderful the amount of volunteer work that people will do. So is that the only community garden? And this is called Fairbanks Community Garden. This is Fairbanks Community Garden. There are a lot of community gardens. There's one out in the Goldstream Valley. Okay. Um, There's some that are called community gardens but operate a little bit differently than we do. This is probably the biggest one in our area. Mm -hmm. So there's some subdivisions that have a community garden space. So there's quite a few different places. This is probably the only one that has a unique model where we only rent to individual gardeners or groups. We don't have any space that is communally gardened. And university has its own community That's gardens. That's true, yeah. I, I, I like the idea of um, your community gardens and the model that, that you're using. Um, different people use it for different purposes. But it, it appears, and I'm looking globally, mm-hmm. that the more we have, the better it is, right? It's it's not like we are monopolizing gardening, right? So if there's more gardens, more subdivisions, they want to do that. It's actually feeding into this notion of people growing their own and for their, whether it's for their own personal consumption or, or selling flowers, they are in doing this, getting in touch with the, the soil, you know, getting in touch with the dirt and growing something, which I believe has gone away. Um, the 30s and, and 40s, when we didn't have big grocery stores that had all the vegetables that they do today, I believe people were growing a lot more than they are today because they don't have to. But it's, it's for me, the notion of having a place to garden is wonderful, and we need to have more and more. Gardening is such a human activity, mm-hmm. and it really does. Like you said, it gets us in touch with the earth. Um, it's a way to connect with our culture. And I see that so often at the community garden with the different cultures that are there, many different languages spoken there. And it's just so lovely to see the families growing plants that I don't recognize and there's no English word for. <laughs> and, you know, sharing sharing vegetables with each other that we might not know what they are and telling us how to cook them. And it's just such a lovely way to... Yeah, to connect with your culture, it's a healthy activity, requires, you know, some movement and exercise, and mm-hmm. and then the food is, is like the bonus. Um, 
I always feel um, kind of embarrassed when I go grocery shopping because I hardly ever buy any vegetables because <laughs> my freezer's full of vegetables, yes, yes. you know. You know where your food is coming from. I do. I know what's gone into it, and, um, and I know that it's healthy and how it's been taken care of, yeah. Are you concerned at all about, you, you mentioned that one of your expenses is electricity, to run the well. Yes. So are you concerned about the water quality that comes out of the well? And how do you mitigate that? We, um, we've we had it tested, and it's a shallow well. It's highly mineralized, but it's safe water, not potable water. Mm-hmm. We don't have it tested, you know, often enough to call it potable water, but Mm -hmm. um, it's safe water. Lately, I've been reading a little bit about arsenic and for a whole different reason. And and I wondered today driving here for our interview that is that a concern for community gardeners? I imagine it would depend on where your well was and what your water source was. Because that's not good for you, right? Right. But it's it's not been a concern where we are. This well is maybe uh, 50 to 100 feet from the Chena River, and it's, uh, like I said, a shallow well, I think 30 feet. So lots of gravel and lots of of iron in it. (laughs) (laughs) But mostly organic way of gardening. At the community garden? We, we, again, we do not... You don't dictate that. We do not dictate that. We do dictate that no inorganic herbicides and pesticides can be used because we feel like there isn't enough research on how they behave over the long term in cold soils. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So we do, that's, that's a rule. But we don't dictate that fertilizer has to be organic. It's very difficult to grow organic in a cold, in our cold climate to get enough production out of a garden plot with solely organic means. I mean, what, we have three months. I think we have a little more now. About 100 days, yeah. 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 But it depends, you know. I've I've seen it freeze first week in June, and I've seen it freeze the middle of August. So yeah. Yeah. that's not very long. And in the last few years, our weather has been so unpredictable. Right. So you just don't know. But I lost almost all my starts last year to an early frost. Yeah. So I think a lot of people did. Yeah. Yeah. Including the greenhouses. Yeah. Right. There's no shelter from that. Right. I mean, can people cover their plots with um, a screen or. Yes. And they do a lot. Okay. Yeah. They'll they'll build like small hoop houses or small greenhouses on their garden plots. As long as the garden, as long as the shelters aren't shading your neighbor's garden. That's fine. Yeah. And how typical is the size of a plot? It really varies. When I first started gardening there, we tried to get my son's Boy Scout troop to resurvey the plots. Their leader was a surveyor, and and they went out there and worked really hard on it and said, it's hopeless. (laughs) (laughs) So what we did was we decided we're going to charge the same price for every plot, no matter how big or small they are. And our smallest plot is very small. It's just a few raised beds. And our largest plot is probably 800 square feet. Wow. But okay. mostly they're between four and 600 square feet. So they're very big plots. Yeah. Originally, they were um, designed to be big enough to feed a family of four, according to the extension service. Uh, that's a lot of produce. Yeah. That's a lot of produce. 
I, I have a small raised bed that, that I use. But I'm transitioning out of raised beds into pots, you know. So all my herbs are growing in pots and my tomatoes are growing in pots. I even put all my squash in and cucumbers in pots, you know. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I look at my raised bed and say, what am I doing with this? Yeah. You know, what should... <laughs> so it's it's there for like leafy green stuff, yeah, yeah. you know. And uh, I put my cabbages in there and they kind of took over half the half the raised bed. Take so a lot of space. Yeah, yeah. So it's, again, trial and error. You yeah. know, you're trying to figure out what, what will do best where. Right. And I, I think that for the two of us, we have so much produce that it's... Like, I can't deal with it. You know, I, I have to give it away. You know, so I feel like a pest, you know, giving stuff away to people. Yeah. But that's a good thing to yeah, do, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not buying a lot, yeah. you know, all summer long and possibly in winter too because I have stashed it all away. Uh, uh, but I am buying a lot from farmer's markets still. I think that's the, oh. you know, that's like... Uh, my way of supporting their work. Right. You know, I go in there and I say, well, you know, these radishes look wonderful. I'll buy those, buy some for my mom. And mm-hmm. because it, it's our way of supporting what they're doing. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When I do buy things, I like to buy local. I yeah. like to buy it midtown market because it's local meat and eggs and milk and, uh, you know, or the farmer's market or Big M Farms. I'll, I always make a trip down there to pick honeyberries. And and I am the fortunate recipient of honeyberry jam this yeah. morning. <laughs> I can't I can't Enjoy. wait to try that. Thank you. Thank you so much. So while I was looking up community gardens in interior Alaska and in Fairbanks and, and your particular website, I came across another website. It's called Frosty Garden. They are amazing and they garden at the community garden. So they're there, but independent somewhat. Right. They they rent two plots at the Fairbanks Community Garden, and then they also have some, well, you've seen their website. Yes. Um, but they're, they've been a great resource for the gardeners at the Fairbanks Community Garden and actually did our program at our winter meeting last year. The, the articles that they had posted there are such a great resource for people like me. Yeah. Yes. So I, I didn't know if there was a connection, like you were a subsidiary or they were a subsidiary of yours, but no, they just gardened No, they're just there. Fairbanks community gardeners, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, Jeff and Katie are just, and they're amazing people, and their work is really um interesting and helpful. So share with me your thoughts on um, teaching kids to garden and how important is that? Well, I think it's essential. I grew up on a farm in Minnesota and, you know, we didn't have gardening classes, but we had agricultural classes in our school. I was very lucky to be part of the Catholic Schools of Fairbanks when they established a Um, school garden there. I, until last summer, I ran the school garden and ran a garden camp there. And um, so I just think having children learn to garden, be part of the process, is so rewarding. It's so fun. One of my favorite stories from, from a couple years ago, I had these very sophisticated sixth graders out in the garden <laughs> um, because the, the, at the Catholic schools, the summer program runs all summer. So they have children 
working in the garden four days a week all summer long. And these very sophisticated sixth graders were doing some chore that I had given them in the garden. And they were just having so much fun playing in the mud, basically. And, <laughs> and I, I was listening in on them and I heard him say, oh, this is so satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, it's been it's been really fun to teach children how to garden. And I love seeing families gardening together at the Fairbanks Community Garden. And that happens a lot. And it's just really, really fun. And you'll have kids come into the garden and say, well, I don't like broccoli. And I say, well, you've never eaten broccoli right out of the garden. Just try it. And then you can't keep them away. They, it tastes so, so much, much better. Yeah. You yeah. know. And they're just munching away on the broccoli and the kale and the peas and the beans and carrots. And <laughs> it's, it just changes their, their whole view of what food should taste like. Yeah. And, and gets them to eating fresh right. vegetables. Right. I, I joke with my husband who's born and raised in Nebraska. And, mm-hmm. and I say, you only know two vegetables. And one of them is not a vegetable. You know, corn, corn. and potato. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, and and we laugh about that. Uh, uh, a lot of things green are not his thing, you know, yeah. because he didn't grow up that way. And and we have a little joke in the family. He'll he'll come and look at what I'm cooking, and and I'm a vegetarian, you know. Oh. So so I'm you know just cooking a lot of vegetables. And if there is an inordinate amount of green going on in the kitchen, I think he sneaks away. You know, he he goes somewhere <laughs> and and <laughs> oh, funny. But he just didn't grow up with that. Yeah. And and it's so important to have kids then start to appreciate good food, good right. nutritious food from the very beginning, that everything doesn't come from a microwave. Right. <laughs> you know, and everything doesn't come from a jar or a can or anything like right. that. So, right. yeah, it, it's great. I, I live off of um, an area where U Park is, and uh, I know U Park and um, uh, Wood River have student gardens. And towards the tail end of the season, they have signs saying produce for sale. And it's kind of great fun to go and, and, and see what the kids have grown. And, right. And they're happily selling those. Do you do that at the Catholic schools also? We donate our produce to the food bank. Okay. And the students can eat as much as they want while they're out in the garden. And some classes have, like, potato baker. And they also have a uh, cooking camp that uses okay. the garden okay. produce. Oh, yeah. very cool. We sell flowers. We sell um, perennials, and we sell dahlia tubers. Nice. Yeah, that's what they sell. And is this a PTA-supported activity? Not yet. We're we're looking for some support. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and do you think you'll be re-engaged in that next I summer? will be as a volunteer. But um, not as a manager. Not okay. as a manager. Okay. They, uh, Gina Horine, uh, who's a first grade teacher there, is the new garden coordinator. Nice. Well, and these kids, uh, it's just really um, interesting because unlike some of the other schools that don't have children there during the summer, children are at the Catholic schools all year long. Right. And so some of these kids are, they've been planting the garden since they were in preschool. And uh, you can just give them some carrot seeds and they know what to do. (laughs) Yeah, so that's been real fun to watch. Yeah, that's wonderful. And hopefully they take those 
skills and interest with them into their you know, adult lives. Right. That's wonderful. I remember seeing uh, a picture in the newsletter that came from the School of the Garden, and it was a bean bean plant was almost like a storybook bean plant. I know. It was amazing. (laughs) Oh, I didn't see that. They sent that out in a letter. Oh, very good. Yeah, so I uh, needed a new bean teepee, and um, (laughs) they had a new um, maintenance person, and... He asked me, how big does it need to be? And I said, well, you know, 12 feet. And I showed up at the garden then the weekend after he put up this bean teepee, and it was huge. It was like 20 feet tall. <laughs> and built it, and they, the beans grew all the way up that Yeah, they're teepee. a climber, aren't they? Yeah. 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 The kids' kids' eyes were just popping open when they showed up at the garden that Monday morning and saw that bean teepee. (laughs) It was very fun. And it's still standing, so. Maybe you'll use it again. Oh, yeah, we'll use it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, with your um, somewhat stepping back a little bit from the school garden, uh, but you're still very active. You're the president of the community garden. Right. And and I'm sure there's a lot going on there constantly. Do you still garden in the community gardens personally or do you have now a place at your home that you also garden? No, I garden only in the community garden. Okay. Yeah, my my yard at home is a certified wildlife habitat. Oh. Yeah, I, I don't have lawn to mow. Well, I just I have we have a pond in our garden and lots of um, habitat for wildlife. Yeah. And so I garden Vegetable. I have some flowers that I grow at home, but at the um, my vegetables I grow at the Fairbanks Community Garden. I have two plots there. And and does your family garden with you? Sometimes. My my youngest had her own garden plot when she was little. She grew sunflowers and potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> so and you know my grandkids will show up every fall and help me dig potatoes and pull carrots and and they'll help me my husband helps me with different projects that I need to get done you know putting up a new pea fence or digging a new row or something yeah it used to be my dad who's 97 helped me a lot in the garden but isn't able to navigate around with his walker in the garden anymore so Mm -hmm. now he gardened he gardened at with me at the community garden but not not when he had his own place and he was younger did he garden no no so okay yeah yeah my dad loved to garden oh and uh, I think I get it from him oh nice um you know just he always was looking at growing something or the other and um, spent an awful lot of time all summer long. Uh, he had indoor plants and things like that, too. He loved yeah. flowers and loved oh. vegetables. And um, so I, I get that from him. That's uh, nice. Yeah. My mom, not Yeah, my mom, of course, grew up during the Depression. Yeah. And gardening was necess- necessity, you know, yes. and I think she kind of got burned out on it. <laughs> yeah. She also, my grandfather worked for a seed corn company, so she spent many, many summers detasseling corn. Corn. Yeah. (laughs) Gets old after a while. Yeah, it gets old. (laughs) Yeah, that's labor. Yeah. So what else do you think we can do in, in interior Alaska 
to address food security, to address this need to grow your own. So the statistics say 95% of our food is coming from outside. It's shipped from outside. Mm -hmm. And even if we think that at our store there is a sign that says organic and local, uh, it may not be local from here. It's local somewhere else. From Washington State. Yes, and it's, yeah. it's been sent over here. Collectively, I think there's a lot of people, a lot of uh, different agencies, different whether it's food council or, you know, farmers associations, you know, they're all working towards how do we address this issue. You know, it's 5% is all we grow. Mm -hmm. A season has a lot to do with it. Our climate has a lot to do with it. We don't have ability to store food, uh, whatever we grow. Yeah, root vegetables you can, but anything else you cannot. So how do you feel that we can do a better job in, in uh, addressing food security? Yeah, good question. I think that it goes back to how we eat. You know, there's a lot of people that just really don't eat healthy. Mm -hmm. And obesity is a huge problem. And it's not discussed. It's not politically correct to discuss it. But until people are eating food that's good for you, nutritious, they aren't going to appreciate locally grown, fresh food. I think the borough has done an incredible job by allowing us to have this three-acre community garden. So I really appreciate that. They included me in their discussions about zoning changes so that community gardens would be allowed, and that's important. But And I think that school gardens are really helpful. Mm -hmm. Children that know the value of good food and know how long and how hard it takes to produce that food appreciate it more, mm -hmm. and they know what it's supposed to taste like. Mm -hmm not after it's been in cold storage for a month or whatever before yeah. it gets to us. Until we change how we eat, I think it's going to be very difficult to encourage people to buy good food and buy it locally. But that's that's what I do. And there's plenty of space. It's just that we choose to use it differently. Lots of green carpet of death, I call it. The big <laughs> lawns, you know, that take a lot of water, a lot of resources, a lot of fertilizer that could be easily used to grow food. You're the, the second or the third person that I have interviewed that had mentioned this whole idea of take your front yard where you have this huge lawn mm -hmm. and convert a portion of it to grow nutritious food. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and it makes a lot of sense because we're expending energy maintaining a lawn too. You know, Right. Um, uh, lawnmowers are noisy. They're stinky. They take resources. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and um, there's a lot of other fun things to look at outside. When, when I am traveling, I, I go to um, places to eat that are more farm-to-table Yes, focused. very fun. Yeah, very fun to see how people are using what they grow, incorporating them into dishes and uh, trying to learn from that so, so that I can eat better. But I think the, the movement in what we call lower 48 mm -hmm. is, is much more pronounced than it is here. It's getting here. You know, e even 
uh, in some restaurants here, I noticed that they're using whatever is the produce of the of the month, you know, whether it's squash or delta red potatoes. And yeah. I think that's just fabulous. I do know. too. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is just fabulous that they're incorporating that. Your point about we have to eat differently is so spot on because I have said a couple of times that I am telling the story of people in the industry, the agriculture industry. I'm just an outsider looking in. And I've been corrected both times that, no, you are in the industry because you're a consumer. You eat. You eat. And if you change how you eat, we're looking at maybe possibly moving that needle from just 5% to 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. So, so I stand corrected, and, and I'm appreciative of you now supporting that ideology that we have to change how we eat. And uh, I wish there was a way that we can not just show our, our kids to eat good, nutritious food, but adults as well. I, I'm not too sure how that happens. I don't know either. But I know for our family, it happens at the family table. Yeah. Um, it doesn't happen in restaurants yeah. or sitting, eating in your car. It happens in families, in community. Yeah, it's, it's a way of living, right? It's a way of living, a way of appreciating our gifts, how they make it to the table. How do you think we're doing uh, supporting people in need? You know, those who need the food. Uh, how do you think we're doing as a community? I think... Fairbanks has amazing resources. The food bank is phenomenal. The soup kitchen is great. I've been in other communities. For example, I was at a huge um, funeral, a large East Coast community. There was so much food. Nobody at that funeral had any idea what to do with that food. It all went in the dumpster. And if it was this town, it, it would be easy. It would go... <laughs> to church for a meal following the service on Sunday or to the food bank or to the soup kitchen. It would be so easy. Yeah. Well, I think we're really fortunate that way. Yeah. This is a giving community. It is. And, and uh, for, for even like non-food items like, um, you know, flowers and things like that. I've seen go to a, a service for somebody or you go to yes. an event and all of those are sent to our Denali Center, you know, yes. so the seniors can enjoy yes. some, some, you know, flowers. Yes. and or Calypso will donate flowers to hospice yes. or whatever. Yes. Yeah, it's yeah. just, it's a wonderful community that way. Yeah. Well, th this has been wonderful. We're approaching um, close to an hour. Oh, my goodness. Can you believe it? Yeah. Uh, it goes fast, doesn't <laughs> it's it? It's been very fun. But like I said, I, like, I love to talk about gardening. <laughs> <laughs> Any final thoughts on gardening? On, uh, just agriculture in Alaska and, and community gardening? Well, uh, gardening in Alaska is very intense for, you know, just a few months. But then you get to rest in the winter, and I'm just getting my seed catalogs and planning for next year. And I just would encourage people to, to start and just start small. Like you said, you can garden in buckets. And um, it's just so rewarding. It's such a human activity to take that gift and grow it into something that's useful and nutritious for you and your family. So. Yeah. Food Bank did that program last, not this summer, but 
the summer of 2022, um, they said grow a cabbage. Yes, very and, fun. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So I, I didn't grow cabbages till then, so I grew a cabbage. And I thought, this is really cool. So I'll grow more cabbages, you know. And uh, <laughs> so what a way to inspire people, you know, to, to do something for uh, those who are in need. And right. Yeah, it, it was it was a great program. Um, I enjoyed that. I um, thank you for your time and uh, this wonderful conversation. We should do this again when uh, when you're right there in the season doing something and I can come in and do a live interview with the people that are gardening. Oh, that would be amazing. Wouldn't that be wonderful? There are so many amazing people that garden at the Fairbanks Community Garden. And and you've intrigued me because you've said there are different cultures, there are different languages. Yes. Yeah. I I need a translator almost every day (laughs) that I go down there. Yeah, it's very fun. Yeah. So I'm anxious to see that part of it. So, So this summer, maybe I'll bring my portable recorder and uh, we'll just chat with the people that are there and okay. do a follow-up segment on community Oh, that gardens. would be so fun. Yeah. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. You can find this episode on Podbean, Apple, Spotify, Google, iHeart, or wherever you get your podcasts. My deep gratitude to my group of supporters you know who you are. To Andrew Heckman for writing the beautiful music for this podcast and to the folks at Denali State Bank. Their commitment to local enterprise, community, and to supporting the emerging sustainable food growing industry is unparalleled. The success of our community is their success. I hope you join me as I continue to explore agricultural and food issue in interior Alaska. Thank you.